0: What's up permanent jewelry artists? We're here on the permanent jewelry podcast and I'm joined by Terry Berry and she is a permanent jewelry artist in Florida and I've come to know her quite well and she's got a lot of amazing tips that she's going to share with us today um, including tips on taxes and um, we're going to talk about the pros and cons of the unbranded machine. So if you've ever had questions about that then stay tuned. So uh, without further ado welcome Terry. Thanks
1: Jake. Hey everybody so honored to be here. Um, Jake does a pretty good job.
0: Let's dive into the first topic because, like you know, the interesting you brought this up earlier because you have what I think you said a master's in accounting.
1: I do. I have a master's in accounting. I have a bachelor's in business, and I have an AA and just general. So know too much about a lot of things. <laughs>
0: yeah. So my brother actually called me last night. He's like, you know, hey Jake, I'm I'm trying to help you know, my wife figure out, um, you know, all these tax things. Like, I don't know whether I should do like local state tax or if it's a service or if it's a product. Like, how do I categorize permanent jewelry? And as a disclaimer, this is not tax and legal advice. We always recommend talking to a CPA in your local area. But we'd like to just, you know, throw out some general pointers of what's worked for us or what works for Terry. So starting with product or service, like how can we define that, Terry?
1: Anytime you sell someone a physical good, it's a product. So even though we're welding and that's the service, there is a physical product, and that would be the bracelet, the anklet, the necklace. Then that becomes, if your state requires sales tax, then that becomes taxable. So a good entity to reach out to is looking for the right word there is the Department of Revenue. Most states call it the Department of Revenue. They call It's usually that Mm -hmm. um, because they handle unemployment, they handle sales tax, they handle anything to do with collecting revenue for the state. The thing I see a lot is in the different Facebook groups is people saying, do I need to collect sales tax? Well, the first question is, does your state charge sales tax? And how you would know that is when you go to Walmart and you buy a shirt, not food because food's not usually not taxable, but a shirt or a pen. Do you pay sales tax on it? If the answer is yes, and you need to start reaching out to the department of revenue and finding out what you need to do to apply for a sales um, certificate. It's super simple. Most of the states don't even charge for the application. Then you will either collect sales tax from your customer or you will have it built into your price. And what I mean by that, let's say your sales tax for my state is 7%. And let's say you're charging a dollar for a break and you're going to have the tax built in. That means 93 cents of it is mine. Seven percent of that, the seven cents is going to go to the state. If you add it on, that dollar bracelet, when you check them out, will now say one dollar and seven cents. That seven cents you collect is not yours to spend. You must set it aside Because you're going to fire normally new businesses do quarterly returns. Some states will set you up annual. Um, I recommend you try to pay quarter because you will try to spend that money and not set it aside. I literally, after every show, take that sales tax and it goes in the savings. I don't touch it because you want to make sure you pay the Department of Revenue. All through school, I went to a very good school. All through school, my instructors would say, remember, the IRS is, is nationwide. They got a lot to deal with. The Department of Revenue is in your state. They've got little to deal with. They will knock on your door. They will shut you down for not paying sales tax. So I can't stress it enough. Reach out to your Department of Revenue. Reach out to your CPA. Get these questions answered because what you don't want is to come back and owe bunch of back taxes. Or worse, they find you at a show and they go, well, we're going to estimate what you've made and we're going to estimate what you owe us. Think about that. That's scary. So ask the questions, reach out to your CPA, reach out to your department of revenue. I can't stress it enough. Even if you get told, no, you don't have, we don't do sales tax in our state. Great. Write down who you talked to or who you emailed, the date, the time, keep it because if it comes back on you, you could say, no, no, no. I talked to your agent and this is what they told me on this date this time. So always cover your rear end.
0: So I know this part is up to the business owner, but do you prefer to include taxes in your total price? So let's say you charge $80 for a bracelet is it just $80 flat when the customer pays or do you prefer to add on tax to that $80?
1: I add the tax on. Why? Because Walmart ain't cutting me a break. Mm-hmm. Like when I go buy tires at Tire Kingdom, they're not cutting me a break. They're not saying, oh, we'll, we'll cover the tax for you. No, they charge me tax. And just because we're a small business doesn't mean that we have to discount all the time and we have to give away the store. Like our mentality has to shift from I'm a small business. So in order to get business, I have to give stuff away. We yep. have to shift away from that. This is a luxury service. It's not something it's not brain surgery where you have to have it. It's a luxury. If they mm-hmm. want it, they know their sales tax in your state. I mean, that's to me is like, why would I give away 7%? I don't know you. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and I honestly don't, even when it comes to permanent makeup, whatever, because I know if they walk into a major retailer like Kay's Jewelers, they're not giving them a discount because they know somebody like that mentality has got to shift for our friends and our family too. Mm-hmm. Like they need to stop asking. Like it's not, I don't mean to sound like a hard ass because there are people I love to death that I'd do anything in the world for. But when it comes to my businesses, don't mess with my money. Like that's my money. I don't come to your workplace and ask for discounts. Like my dentist asked for a discount for his wife for a bracelet. And my response was, when's the last time you gave me a discount?
0: <laughs> love that. <laughs>
1: What you charge me $185 for a cleaning and I don't get a discount. Yeah, like, no, I'm good. (laughs)
0: You know, another question I see all the time on Facebook groups is um, reseller license. And so can you kind of explain like, you know, should they like when they're buying change, should they pay tax on that and then only to get taxed again? Or how does that all work?
1: So when you go and you get your sales and use certificate, that is your resale certificate. They will give you a usually they give you a form. They might even just give you a like a certificate and you provide that to whoever you're buying from. And then you don't have to pay sales tax on the purchase of goods that are going to be incorporated into goods that are sold. It does not apply to office furniture. It doesn't apply to, let's say you're buying a toolbox thing to wheel around. doesn't apply to that because you're not selling it. You have to pay tax on that. Anything you're using... In your business, your machine, your tungsten, your argon, you pay taxes on. Mm-hmm. Anything that you're incorporating to sell. So let's say you're buying wire and you're making your own jump rings. That's not taxable because it's being incorporated into the jump ring that is going into the end product. Does that make sense? Yep. So um, that's where that resale certificate comes in. If you've already paid sales tax, let's say you go and you get your resale certificate, yay, now you don't have to pay sales tax. Those past sales tax you paid, your vendor does is not required to refund you that sales tax. They could do it because because they're nice. What most states have is they have a place where you claim the credit and your CPA will be able to show you. I don't want to get too bogged down, but you'll be able to claim the credit for sales tax you paid on purchases that you shouldn't have. Like last quarter, I, because I've been lazy and haven't sent my resale certificate to this one company and I ordered a big order, my sales tax on that was big. I took the credit for it. It all washes out in the end. Like it, whether you take the credit or you pay it or you don't pay it and it all comes out in the end. Let's say I collected $2000 in sales tax for the quarter and I had $350 credit because I paid sales tax on goods that were being incorporated into an end product and I take that 350 out. Basically that I'm just getting my $350 back, I'm only going to pay $1,650 to the state instead of the full 2000 because I took that credit. So it all equals out in the end. So don't panic. It's okay. Yeah.
0: And that's the main difference between a credit and a tax deduction. A tax deduction is like an expense, whereas a credit's like good for that amount of money towards your taxes. So it saves you that exact amount yeah,
1: of money. And like here in the state of Florida, we get what they call a collection credit. They basically give us 0.025% up to $30 on our return. For collecting their sales tax because it's not our money, it's the state's mm-hmm. money when we collect it. Um, it's not a lot, but you better believe I'm taking that <laughs> that little <laughs> deduction every time. It, every little bit counts.
0: All right. Uh, anything else that you think people should know about taxes before we switch subjects?
1: Yeah. As far as your, I don't, if you're in a state that you have to pay state taxes and you pay federal taxes. Every time you order something, print your receipt, I don't care if you put it in a shoebox. I don't care if you put it in a tin can. I don't care where you keep it, but have a designated spot for it. Because at the end of the year, when you go to do taxes... You're not going through emails, looking for invoices, looking for little receipts and missing stuff that you could have wrote off as an expense. It's all in that box. It's all in that file, whatever. And you don't even have to keep it separated by like um, linked or whatever the company name is. You don't have to because you're going to do it by categories. You're going to do it by like Last year, I think I had one that was literally change charms and connectors. It said materials, change charms, connectors. So everything that I ordered under that category got written off under that category as an expense. So that's my biggest advice. That's the thing I see that and people are not keeping track of your mileage. The federal government requires that you have written documentation of your mileage, that you have the miles that when you left. So let's say you left and you were at 10,000 even. I'm using even numbers because it's easy. You write ten thousand easy even, and you went thirty miles there and thirty miles back. When you come back, you write the miles back ten thousand sixty, mm-hmm. and then you write sixty miles. At the end of the year, you can add those up if you're going to take that deduction. My vehicle is being paid by my company, so yep. I don't take that deduction. Same. Um, that's one of the beauties of if you really build your company, they can pay. They can be paying for your car, your car mm-hmm. insurance, all those things. Also on insurance, this is one of my big things. If you are transporting your machine, Argon Gas supplies, whatever, in your personal vehicle, contact your agent and have them add the business coverage on. Because I don't know how many of you know, especially here in Florida, and I think it was California too. So double check with your agent. You have to have business coverage or while you're conducting business, you have no coverage because they're not covering you to be conducting business that you didn't tell them about. So double check with your agent. It's important.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's definitely good to know. Um, and that's that's what my brother was telling me. He's like, you know, I don't know how you've done this for years. There's so much that goes into business. I'm like, yeah. I mean running your own business it's not easy
1: <laughs> it's not there's sleepless nights there's nights you wake up you know wake up at three o'clock in the morning and your brain won't turn off that's normal if that's happening to you that's normal <laughs> breathe it's okay like don't think you're the only one who that happens to I mean I woke up at three o'clock this morning going oh I've got a show this weekend I've got to pack this I got to do this I got to do this like I had to get a notebook out write it all down so my brain would stop yeah and I could go back to sleep. So if it happens to you, you're normal. You're normal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now, we were talking before we started recording, and you said that you've been in business about a year in permanent jewelry, um, or you, you've been in business longer than that, but you added permanent jewelry a year ago. And then you said the past like three and a half months or so, you've increased your business by over 300%. Can you talk us through um, the process of that?
1: Yeah, I found this company, Linked. Have you heard of them? Um, yep. They're a marketing <laughs> guys. <laughs> I'm just giving Jake a hard time. I give him a hard time on a regular basis. Um, I took the PJ launch course with you and Tony. And even though I'm a serial entrepreneur, we own, currently we own three companies. Um, they're all doing very well. I'm happy. Um, it's a lot of stress, but I don't want to work for anyone else. Don't want to, don't have any urge to. Done with that nonsense. Did corporate yeah. America. But last three and a half weeks, I've actually learned stuff from you guys. And I've had marketing courses at the master's level, at the bachelor's level. I've learned stuff from you guys that made me stop and go. I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. That makes more sense. For instance, about the fifth person who asked me in a DM, you put the chain, you weld the chain in my skin. I usually want to go no and yell at them, but you guys taught me stop take a breath because that's an important question to them. They really believe that like their brains can't comprehend what you're talking about. So you have to take a deep breath, answer their question with compassion and empathy and knowledge because you're the expert and then you'll win them over. But if you come back at them with some sarcastic, not so nice answer, they're going to find someone else. So you guys want me to kind of chill a little bit. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like I said, three and a half months, it's been an amazing journey. You know, you did our 14 week PJ launch program. And we were definitely excited to see your results and even going forward. So yeah, if anyone here's watching or listening needs help marketing, just let me know. Um, that is going to be separate from, I know we accidentally said linked, but that's separate from linked. That's a, that's a different company that I own. So let's talk about uh, the unbranded machine. Cause I've seen, you know, we we've been offering the unbranded machine in links since day one and it's been our most popular option, but I've seen there's a lot of fear mongering and crazy comments and, and stuff out there on Facebook groups and different places. Um, so have you used the unbranded machine?
1: I started with the unbranded machine. My husband has a nickname of Cheapo Depot. <laughs> Just, there's a reason for it. And he was a licensed electrician working with high voltage, doing all the things. And he did low voltage too. So we talked and he said, order that one in. Let me see what it's about. I can't see spending $2,400 on a machine. Let's see what this is. So we brought it in. Um, He... Opened it up, he told me, I don't see anything here I'm alarmed by. Normally he's pretty good. Um, so I was sitting practicing with it for a couple of weeks. I had one of those fake arms that you use for like tattoo practice, mm-hmm. and I was putting bracelets around and welding on that. And he comes in and takes it from me and he's like, put it on me. He goes, Because girl, that means nothing. So I started welding on him. Then it became do everything you can to try and shock me. Let me just tell you, even doing some of the dumbest stuff that I've seen in these groups, it it I couldn't shock mm-hmm. now. I will say I had a friend that I trained and she shocked me, but that was because I had the stylus in my hand and it was touching my bracelets and I had the ground in my other hand. Uh So it went in one arm. And out the other. That is the kind of thing that somebody would have blown out of proportion and said, oh, it's the unbranded machine. No, it was literally, she handed me the stylus and it touched my bracelets and that's a connection. So a lot of people don't understand with well the welding we do, you have to have a completed circuit. So when you put the ground on, that makes that completed circuit. So me having it in one hand, it touching the metal in the other, I became a circuit. So, wasn't the machine. I do have a group. Um, it's called the Original Unbranded Machine Group or the original group for unbranded machines, something like that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, there's almost 700 people in there now. That group I started out of the goodness of my heart because I don't see a problem with the unbranded machine. Can you shock someone? Yeah. Can you shock someone with any machine? Yeah. There's certain safety things you have to do. For instance, don't hook the ground far away from the jump ring. The farther you get away, electricity is going to find the least path of resistance. Think about that. So the farther you get away, it's going to find a shorter way to get there. It might go through the whole chain to get to the. So you want to be right on the jump ring, right close to the jump ring. Always, always use some kind of patch between the metal and their skin Mm -hmm. where you're welding because if it does, even if it's, I've seen people do it with the other machines, throw a spark. It's just part of what we're doing. I personally don't use leather because I'm a cruelty-free everything I do is cruelty-free. Jake's going to go, oh God, here she goes. (laughs) Uh, I'm an animal lover. Um, So I use vinyl. I use faux leather and it works just as well. I asked my husband, we tried to shop him using it, tried to set it on fire, tried to, you know, all the things and it's fine. It's fine. Um, My biggest thing with welding is your tungsten has to be clean. It either has to be sharp or it has to have a blunt tip, depending on what metal you're welding um i personally never use gold filled for jump rings because when you weld the gold moves and that filler metal can show through and that can tarnish i always use solid gold jump rings sterling silver jump rings i believe in quality over quantity like i said not every client is your right client i want people that see value and know that i'm going to stand behind my product so So for the gray and branded machine i've used it i've heard people ask about using it in humidity using it when it's sprinkling. I've had no issues with that. I like grounded pliers with it. Trying to think of all the little, but that group, if you have that machine, Jake's in there. I've let him come in and see what I was doing before he mentioned it. (laughs) Um, It's only about the gray unbranded machine. We don't get into a lot of other stuff. Everyone in there is helpful because if they're not, they're gone. Like I don't do the catty thing. I want that group to be a group where you guys feel comfortable to ask any question, you know? I don't want you to feel like it's a dumb question because there is no dumb question when it comes to what we're doing in safety. Anything else you think I should say about that gray machine? Because I like it.
0: Yeah, I just, <laughs> to me, like obviously in, in linked we offer lots of different machines and a lot of great options from different companies and stuff. But I just, I don't like seeing fear-mongering, unnecessary fear-mongering, you know, by people who sell different things. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I think there's already enough drama in the be- in any business, but especially in the beauty industry. Uh, we don't need more. <laughs>
1: (laughs) And I think you're right. Like the gray machine, I've been using it over a year. And like I said, my husband came in and said, try to shock me. And I did dumb stuff like touch the ground to his arm. I'm not saying do that and it won't happen. It's pretty hard to get something to happen. Um, if you're following good practices, like you guys teach in the linked class, you'll be fine. Um, Honestly, I've even gone to the manufacturer. I have an extra stylus. I have extra tungsten. I've ordered extra hoses because if anything ever happened to my hoses, even though I could get them at a, a hardware store because they're just um, pneumatic hoses, air hoses, I just don't want to deal with having to look for them. Um, I have the extra parts for mine because we've mm-hmm. we've ha- even have extra, you know, that machine comes with a pneumatic filter. We have two extra of those because if it was ever to break, because that helps fine tune it. Um, and we just keep those in a kit and e- my extra parts are there. Do I think everybody has to do that? No, it's what you're comfortable with. But if I'm at an event and my stylus goes down, I lost money. So I'll have that extra $50 part because yeah. I'll throw it on there and I'll be fine. My other my other tip for that machine is the stylus. You now know, it's, it's um, metal. It's mm-hmm. not painted like some of the other machines. You, if you're like me and you have high static electricity in your body, like I can't wear a um, analog watch. It'll break every time. it'll stop running. So what I do is I wrap electrical tape around the metal so that my energy doesn't transmit into that stylus. Um, But that's just something I know about me. I mean, I shock people on the regular, go to shake hands and (laughs) I shock people. It's just me. So that's one of my tips. I mean, I have so many tips that I could give you on that machine, but as far as fear of it, there shouldn't be fear of it. There's a support group for it. You guys, when you sell it, you have amazing support for it. I bought mine before I found you. So I didn't have your support. So I learned, like I like to say, baptism by fire. I literally... That machine, we have it on a cart that my husband designed that we roll with my gas tank. I'm comfortable with it. And I'm usually the one that's extra cautious about. I never want to hurt anybody. I have seven numbing creams for my permanent makeup business. Seven, because not all of them work the same for somebody. I don't want somebody in pain. So if I'm saying it's okay to use, as long as you're following safe welding practices, then you're fine. I can't see short of you doing something that you're just, and you could do it with any machine, create a circuit with somebody's body, um, have a flash burn from not using a patch to protect their skin. Um, I like it because it doesn't have a touch screen. I'm sorry. Touch screens for me, they break, things go wrong. It's expensive to repair. So I like that big box. It's sturdy. It's, you know, I can put it in my SUV, strap it in, take it somewhere, take it out, wheel it in. And I'm not worried about cracking my screen. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. Um, some people like a touchscreen. I personally find it's more things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all the machines that, from the unbranded machine through Sunstone's machines, I think they're all good machines. Mm-hmm. I will never, ever shame somebody for what machine they buy. Yeah. just Unless you buy one that doesn't take Argon, and then I don't understand what you're doing. But Because <laughs> Argon, for those that don't know, Argon is part of the name. TIG is tungsten inert gas. The inert gas we use is argon. It's part of the welding process. It makes a cleaner weld. It makes a stronger weld, makes a prettier weld. And let's face it, this is a luxury service. We want pretty weld. So if you haven't tried argon, get on the bandwagon. Argon is like, when I switched to argon, I guess I had my machine like a month and hooked argon to it was like wow like my welds are clean they're pretty and i haven't looked back like awesome. game changer i had one event ran out of gas and i was just disgusted with my welds like they weren't pretty enough for me because i'm picky um that will never happen again we have a backup tank now
0: hmm. <laughs> never happening what kind of tanks do you so, use
1: i get a 20 cubic foot tank from my local welding shop And the reason I do that is because it's refillable. So it's better for the environment. It's more cost effective. So when I go up and I take my empty tank to them, they give me a new tank. It could be any color. I cover it. We'll get into that in a second. But it's $35. Why do I want to buy a $150 mini tank that I can't refill? Like for me, that's not cost effective. It's not good for the environment. So I recommend 20 cubic foot um, tanks from a welding shop, air gas. There's national chains. I like the local guys. Um, And then I went on Amazon and bought a canvas gift bag and I pull it up over my tank, cinch it and tie it. It's like canvas color with black hearts all over it. I saw somebody the night, in one of the groups, and I can't give them credit because I don't remember who it was. She took a big dog sweater, sewed the armhole shut and put a dog sweater on. Wow. So to make it more attractive because they, they like one time I had an ugly green tank. It looked was like army green. Ooh, yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> um, so that's where the cover came from, but I think my cover was like $9, $10. But no, argon is everything. Um, and then sometimes people say, well, I went to my local thing. They sold me a regulator. It doesn't hook to my machine. You have to ask for brass footings to step it down to our tube size. So you need to take your tubes with you, the air tubes, so that they can see what size tubes we're using. Or just go to Sunstone and buy one that's already pre-fitted. There's Sunstone's plug for the day. Um, <laughs> but there's Sunstone and peppy tools i think i hope i'm saying that right they sell a regulator for these machines and the regulators they sell will work on any of the machines so there's that option the initial investment's hard um you're talking probably 150 for a regulator depending on which one you buy and then your tank's probably a couple hundred dollars for the initial tank because you're buying a steel tank then after that you just keep trading it in for 35 i mean and we just did a backup tank Just because I'll never be without gas again. Mm -hmm. And literally, I ran out of gas, not because of my regulator, not because of anything other than I thought, oh, I got enough. Yeah. I don't drive my car like that, so why I thought it would work with
0: my machine, I don't know. So yeah, it's it's weird. I feel like argon's one of those other things that people either love it or hate it. Or I've I've talked to people who said it didn't make any difference, and then of course, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who said it made a lot of difference. So I don't know. I mean, I don't do welding myself. I'm just the marketing guy, so I I trust you as the expert.
1: (laughs) I really, when I first did it, I was like, I'm not using argon. That's not necessary. I had that mindset. Part of it was that's more money that I have to put out. Mm. I was being cheap. Then I started watching videos on YouTube from people who do TIG welding, not MIG welding, M-I-G, but TIG welding what we do. And they all kept saying the same thing, how you grind your tungsten matters, argon matters. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. What's the worst that happens? I try it and don't like it. Okay. Then I'll sell the empty tank when I empty it to someone. Once I welded the first time with it, I was like, this light went on and I was like, Oh, that's why my welds look like sooty and they don't come completely clean. Oh, that's why my welds have that little dip in them. Oh, that's like everything just that I was struggling with went away. Um, Of course, I pick up things pretty fast. So for me to admit that I was wrong, is pretty hard. (laughs) So (laughs) I was wrong. I mean, I was listening to people in the group saying, oh, you don't need argon. But then when I started really doing the research and followed the science of what TIG means and really started delving into it, I was like, yeah, I think I do need argon. Mm-hmm. And I was, I needed argon. forgot what I was going to say. Just like grinding your um, tungsten matters, you have to spin it the same way all the way around because you want the spiral grooves on your tungsten to flow mm-hmm. in one direction. If they're fractured, when that welding spark comes off of there, it will be fractured. So it instead of coming in at a, at a single point, mm-hmm. it'll come in shattered and it'll Spread And you might go, oh, well, that would be good because it'll know you're not getting enough power in the right spot. So that matters. There's just little things that we have to like make sure people know. I think um, that's part of why I started that group. And that's why I love this industry. It's so new. Yeah, there's so much that we can help each other. Um, There was something that I was going to say there, um, couldn't have been important because my brain just went.
0: (laughs) I mean, you make a good point about how like you started out one way and then you decided to switch, and like it was hard at first mentally. But that's that's why I encourage everybody, like especially in a new industry like this, like things are going to change. People are going to discover different things. Like people are going to practice more, and so never you know put your feelings or ego on a certain thing like if if you learn from just like how science is always changing and they're discovering new things like don't um never get emotional with things like this this is why like i mean this podcast is meant to educate people and so you know whether i've said something in the past like oh you don't need argon or you know whatever i mean I, you guys are the expert i bring you on here to share whatever knowledge or whatever your truths are um and so that's that's why i encourage everybody not to get into these hissy fights on the on the groups that we see all the oh. time not in your group but in other
1: group. Oh, no, I know what you mean. And <laughs> all I can say to that is if if you see those battles, just walk away from them. They're not worth it. Like who wants to die on the hill for for permanent jewelry? I know what I was going to tell you. Um, For anyone who's listening to this podcast who thinks they want to get into permanent jewelry, now is the time. I'm still having, I mean, I do some pretty big events with You know, 10,000, 12,000 people at it. 80 to 90% of the people who stop are like, what's permanent jewelry? See, I don't take that as a negative. I take that as a chance to educate you. I may touch you right now with my card and you go home and you mention it to someone in your family and they're like, oh my God, permanent jewelry. You're going to call me because I took the time to educate you and let you know what it is. Um, I take it as this is a market untapped. Yeah. And like I said, there's seven people in my area doing this that I know of. There, so there's got to be more. Um, I don't sell plated jewelry. I don't sell copper jewelry. They tarnish too easy. For me, we're selling such a luxury service that I want people to get the very best of the best. So I do sterling 14 karat gold filled rose gold filled and i do 14 karat gold i don't stock a lot of 14 karat gold i do a lot of special order and i make them give me a 50 deposit because let's face it 14 karat gold is expensive right now
0: yeah.
1: you know so that was a that's the point i was going to make and i forgot like if you're thinking about doing this get with, um, them on the PJ launch. Like you want to know, like if you've done your training and you want to know how to run your business for marketing, these guys know what, I'm sorry, I have laryngitis. These guys know what they're talking about. Um, I like to tease them and tell them they're just all right, but you know, (laughs) off they're pretty good. And that's, that's just me from me and an honest person, like just telling you how I feel about it. I think the PJ launch is amazing. I've seen some people in that group who just started and um, I can't think of her name. The one girl that was like in our first call and you were talking about reaching out and she started reaching out to all these businesses yeah. and booked two events that first night. Yeah, I was impressed with that. Like that tenacity goes far, but she needed y'all to flip the switch on her ideas mm-hmm for her to have that tenacity, So I can't stress enough that if you're going to start a business, CPA, um, Department of Revenue, PJ Launch, um, your training that you took for your welding. If you didn't take training for welding because you already weld, great. If you haven't trained on welding and you don't do welding, I suggest you find a course. Um, Jake knows one. Um, (laughs) I suggest you find a course and find one that teaches you Well, I'm just going to say it. I took two other courses. Then I took Link's course. I learned things in Link's course that I never was brought up in other courses, Mm -hmm. not just the marketing section, which is amazing. But some of Sarah's tips and tricks were really good. I mean, I went and tried them. First, I was like, well, why did nobody else mention this? Mm -hmm. Like, it can't be that important. Then I went and tried them and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So... Don't think that this is something you can learn off of YouTube because I don't recommend that um, unless you're already a welder because there's a lot of safety that needs to be followed. You need to make sure that when you transport your argon that your regulator is either detached or your tank is secure. That's high pressure. That's 2,000 PSI in that tank. Mm -hmm. Think about that. That's a lot. That can hurt somebody. There's just things that in these training courses especially Lynx course, that really stress safety. And I and you don't want to hurt anybody. I don't think anybody in this business wants to hurt anybody. Like you need to be careful. You need to stop and think, you know, when you go to weld, if they're all sweaty, have paper towels, wipe their arm off. Sarah taught me that. I never thought of that. Like, what was I thinking? That sweat is water with salt in it, which is an electron, which conducts what? <laughs> Electricity, like, hello. <laughs> so that's something on your course like. And so now I have rolls of paper towels at events and I have them wipe their arms off or their ankle or whatever I'm doing. I'm not taking chances um, that I'm going to hurt somebody. I mean, probably wouldn't hurt them very long, but, you know, it'd be a tingle or something, Yeah, but I still don't want to do it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So much good advice today. Thank you, Terry. So if you're watching this on YouTube or somewhere like, please comment below. What was your favorite piece of advice? Did you learn something about taxes? Did You learn something about machines, welding, et cetera. I know there's a lot here. Um, so I'd love to hear what your favorite part was in the comment, um, Terry. Anything else that you want to end with, or like? Here's my favorite question: What's the what's the one or two major things you wish could go back to a year ago when you first started? And I know there's a lot of stuff, but what if you had to pick one or two things? What would you tell yourself a year ago?
1: Get argon. <laughs> And, um, don't be afraid to reach out to businesses and people because the worst they can say is no, they're not going to kill you for asking. They're going to say no. Every no is closer to a yes. So when somebody tells me no, I take that as a no, not right now. I'm going to come back to them in three months and ask again until they tell me stop asking and then, okay, I'll quit asking. Um, because I've done that and had businesses say to me literally, oh, I was just thinking about you. Cause one of my customers mentioned they would love to get permanent jewelry. So had I not reached out, they might've not remembered my company name and might've accidentally picked someone else. Yep. So those are the two I would don't be afraid to ask and Argon.
0: <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here or coming on here and, uh, you know sharing all your advice and tips we really appreciate it and if they want to reach out to you or find you where's the best place is your facebook group instagram
1: um instagram i am terry t e r r i underscore Barry, berry b e r r y like berry on a vine underscore usa cuz there's a doll maker i guess named terry berry <laughs> um you can find me there and if you message me there and you can't find the group on Facebook, I can send you a link. Jake has the link too. So, but try not to bug him too much because he gets
0: (laughs) crazy. (laughs) Now, If you guys are interested in anything uh, that me or Terry mentioned, uh, either message me or her and we're happy to point you in the right direction. So, all right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you in the next one.